Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone. Good morning, and welcome to another edition of The Early Line right here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane Martinez, and we've got Kevin Walsh in the building. He's going to be holding us down. Joe Ranieri, our friend, is pushing some buttons, <laughs> trying to make everybody look good and sound good here as we bring you the edge. So I'm excited to have Kevin Walsh join me bright and early in the morning. How you feeling, Kevin? Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. <laughs> Uh, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm I'm not uh, known as a morning person, but we all make the adjustments. I got big shoes to fill. I think Joe Ranieri is the unanimous MVP of uh, sports uh, sports grids quarantine. Yeah. So it's it's definitely uh, big shoes to fill. But I'm ready to get up in here for uh, however long you guys uh, will have me. Absolutely. Well, listen, we've had you on the show before, before the draft, after the draft, talk and shop, and we will definitely continue kind of our team by team look. Now that the draft has finished, we'll look, we'll take stock and we'll see if there's any value in the futures markets for our wide variety of teams here in the NFL. But the big news really Kevin, is what we're talking about seeing the beginning potentially of the return of Major League Baseball, right? We saw like that Bob Nightingale proposal last week cool. talking about basically the merging of the AL and NL East, the merging of the AL and NL West, and the merging of the AL and NL Central. And it seems like this idea and other ideas that are similar are starting to gain steam right kevin why don't you tell us a little bit about what we're hearing what are what's the latest and what are we starting to understand may happen in terms of timelines locations alignment and the rest yeah so there's so reports are kind of starting and it's always you know one of the things, right, when we've learned this, when you have your benchmark reporters say something, there's no uncertainty around it, right? If right. Adrian Wojnarowski in basketball says something, sure. or if Adam Schefter in football says something, you know that that's what you can run with. Uh, the baseball situation is a little bit more different. I don't think they have that, you know, exact same level of that guy. I think to some degree, you don't Jeff trust Passon. Passon. I trust Passon. It's just he's he's only beginning kind of that Fair. level. Like Fair. I was talking about it like last night, my, like my brother. When did Passon become that even? Like, Woj and, and Schefter, they've been doing it for so long. Nevertheless, yeah. there was a Twitter report uh, that came out from Trevor Plouffe, uh, you know, played for the Twins. Play, and, yeah. yeah, saying that, you know, spring training, it, it, or summer training, I guess maybe is the better way to call it, is going to be getting uh, started, I think it was June 10th. Uh, and then July 2nd, the season will be underway. You know, he phrased it, I've got good news for everybody. And it's one of those things on the surface, you see it and you're like, does Trevor Plouffe have the biggest story right. in, in baseball? Like, how plugged in is he? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Now, he then uh, was backed up by Phil Hughes, who said, I will confirm second um, mm. that this is true. And then I believe it was Keith Law, who was the third name. However, he went the other way, saying that uh, the rumors coming around are false. What I will say is... And maybe it's me wanting to be optimistic, and it's me wanting to have some type of actual concrete information. But, you know, th these things are going to get around uh, certain circles, right, before they make it to us. Sure. And the thing is, as we kind of just talked about Jeff Passan, he has a lot more uh, responsibility, if you will, if he were to give out this information opposed to Trevor Plouffe, right? And the players are going to be in the know because the players – are a very, very important part of this next step. As you yeah. know, Dane, the, like, they all have to come to an agreement here. Right. And I think that's where, you know, Passon is maybe hearing the same things. But until he gets the AOK -okay to go with it, then he might have to just be sitting on this and waiting. I'm choosing to be optimistic, and I'm choosing a role with Trevor Plouffe here that, uh, we, you know, we've got something cooking. All right, fair enough. But I think you make a good point, Kevin, right? Any solution, whether it's Major League Baseball, whether it's MLS, whether it's the NBA, whether it's golf or NASCAR, it doesn't matter. It has to be a collaborative effort. Okay, mm -hmm. the players are involved, the players union is involved, the front office and owners are involved. But there's also networks that, you know, 
care about their skin in the game. There's also local yes, governments at play. I mean, UFC wanted to put on a showcase the other week, and it was the state of California, in essence, right? That was like, no, 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 chill. You know, we're seeing the state of Florida kind of open up and consider wrestling an essential business. I know you're plugged into that. Yes, so, I mean, yes. it is a collaboration. And then you're going to have, and we've seen this with Major League Baseball before, Kevin, the idea that maybe some of your younger players – Right. If you're 24 years old, ain't got a wife and kids, you're like, mm -hmm. I'm chomping at the bit. Let's go quarantine me in a hotel for three months. I don't give a damn. But if you are a veteran, if you have three kids, Mike Trout, like just had the birth of his first child. Those kinds of guys are saying, eh, I don't know if it's worth it for me to be estranged from my family for four months just to put on this entertainment for the mm -hmm. masses. So the union itself, just among its players, they have different opinions on this, and it's valid. So it's going to be very interested to see how all of these entities collaborate to mm -hmm. get a decision that works for everybody. And, and I think the network's point is essentially is, is very, very much so important. You, I mean, we, it has become very, very evident throughout this process just how much uh, these networks are missing their live sports, right? And not only are the networks, part of the reason why the networks are so aware of it is because it's very obvious that the viewer is desperately, desperately missing right. it. So much so that we've all decided to turn a documentary into the biggest live sporting event on a weekly basis, Sunday nights with The Last yeah. Dance, uh, you know, pulling 6 million viewers and, and what have you. So, you know, they're very aware that, you know, if you're baseball, and you're first back, you're going right. to be the talk, period. And these networks, all of them now, I mean, every single possible network, even ones that they maybe don't have deals with, if that's possible, will try and be like, hey, what's the deal here? I mean, I think that they're, you know, baseball's pretty yeah. spread out between, you know, ESPN. But now, I don't remember ABC ever showing baseball. And it wouldn't shock me if all of a sudden ABC We'll be like, yeah, you know what? Let's get this uh, Yankees-Mets game right. with the you know new divisions kind of up and running there. But that also is another thing that can kind of hold us up a little bit. I think, Dane, is that you know these networks. Uh, there's a lot of conversations that need to be had. I believe oh, that yeah. Nightingale um, piece said that they were going to be playing at least 100 games, which is a ton of games. But that mm -hmm. means it's still that each team is missing 62 baseball games. That is a lot. That sure. is a lot. I mean, that is, you know, that's a lot closer to a full NBA season, kind of, when we're talking about games being missed. Yeah. And that has to do kind of with, you know, your local um, uh, networks that are going to be missing out on those games. So I think that's also another – that's one of the things that's really stood out to me with this whole process is how many layers there are to actually restarting these things back up. Yeah, absolutely. And we're not even talking about the, you know, the the security guards, the concession workers, the media yep. reporters, you know, the hotel staff, wherever mm. they're being quarantined. It is a sprawling affair, and that's why it's weird for me when someone even at the level of LeBron James, you know, says, "Well, I ain't playing without fans or we need to finish the 18 games left in the regular season." Like, it's nice mm -hmm. if you say that, but there's so many kind of, like you said, stakeholders that need to be appeased on one level or another. And then there's the public, right? You talk about kind of how, how hungry the sports fan is for anything. You said whoever the first league back is, it's going to get huge ratings. Think about the NFL draft. The NFL yeah. draft did bigger numbers than ever before because everyone's mm -hmm. sheltered in place and at home and is able to watch something. You know, last week, Kevin, there was also the Arkansas Derby. It was supposed to be the, this the first Saturday in May, the Kentucky Derby. The Kentucky Derby vacated the spot going to September, and mm -hmm. Oaklawn Park was like, we'll run that day. And guess <laughs> what? Mad people checked it out. I certainly <laughs> watched because it's this idea that it's the only game in town. And I would not be surprised if you see some uh, second or third tier sports also trying to rush back be to try to take advantage, to try to take advantage of the attention span of the sports fan. Think about it. UFC wants to go on. They know if they are, you know, their, their event that is still scheduled to happen this weekend mm -hmm everyone's going to watch, you know, and I think yeah. I even heard 
I don't know how plugged into this you are, Kevin. I even heard Ice Cube, the big three, the three-on-three league. They said that they may be willing to return a little bit ahead of time as well. It's the same theory, okay? Mm -hmm. Get ahead of it, be the only game in town, and it is a boost for you and kind of uh, eyes to the set, shall we say. With the big three, it's also smaller teams, smaller rosters, and they've been a barnstorming tour the whole time, right? Mm -hmm. The whole league goes from city to city all Already, and they put on, you know, four or five games in one weekend. So it may be a little bit more conducive to that. However, we're talking about baseball returning. And Kevin, uh, there is baseball <laughs> being played somewhere on planet Earth. You just got to set your clocks back to go see it, right? Tell sure. us a little bit about the KBO and how we can now see it on American cable television. Well, so this is the huge thing. Um, last uh, on on Tuesday night at 1 a.m., uh, we saw the first uh, Korean baseball game uh, broadcasted live on ESPN. Not ESPN two, not ESPN U, ESPN. Okay, they got the lead in from it Scott Van Pelt. No, no, no. This was hey, this is the biggest thing we've done since the draft, and one of the five biggest things we've done since quarantine. It's the Korean baseball organization and. You know, it'll be really interesting to kind of see what the, you know, the the total numbers look like. But again, one of the ways you can kind of tell when there's a big event on is, you know, I'm sure your timeline, much like mine, a lot of sports people on there. And everybody's all of a sudden like, let's go. And everyone's like picking a favorite team. and, And everybody's just finding themselves interested actually in the Korean Baseball League. And all in all, it was, it grabbed my attention. It, it certainly did. And it's, you know, and it has something for everybody, whether you're just looking for live sports, whether you're looking for something to bet, which, you know, the FanDuel Sportsbook was offering those lines. It's a 10-team league. Uh, all 10 teams were in action on that Tuesday night. Okay. And their plan is to play 144 baseball games uh, this for, for their season. So, you know, depending on when things get started back up with the rest of these leagues here if espn can continue the this relationship they have you know something that they can kind of keep returning to in terms of live content yeah i mean that will be interesting right like this idea of all eyeballs on the set. I mean, last weekend, I, I kid you not, Kevin, I was literally watching like death diving and slippery stairs competitions on ESPN. So maybe for now, it can kind of be that snack that tides us over until dinner time. I also know, unfortunately, we heard last week the Little League World Series has been canceled for this year. So maybe even in, you know, July and August, when we're used to seeing the kids, they can run out, you know, or air the KBO. When we come back here's what we're gonna do kevin because i ain't staying up to watch the kbo it sounds like (laughs) you and other people in my timeline are so i want to hear from you because it sounds like there's some things that maybe baseball in america can learn from i want to see what are the quirky parts what are the cool parts what are the parts that maybe we should replicate right here in the good old us of a it is the early line it is sports grid we're here giving you the edge it's dane martinez and kevin walsh good morning everybody come on back dailyrodo.com learn from the game's best dfs players we don't just give you premier advice we play every day all major sports all year round we never stop industry-leading dfs tools and custom projections and now the dailyrodo.com optimizer in minutes build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys learn from the game's best dfs players join dailyrodo.com All right, everybody, welcome back to the early line. Kevin Walsh and Dane Martinez, cock-a-doodle doing it every morning, getting you ready as a sports investor or a fantasy manager or just someone that's craving some sports talk while you are, you know, sheltered in place. We were talking, Kevin, ironically about Korean baseball in Taiwan. Now, this is a 10-team league, and I'm Mm -hmm. interested, okay, because I haven't seen this before. I know about baseball out in the Far East. I know about the Gaijin. I know about the Thundersticks. Mm -hmm. Two great books, by the way. If you've never really read about baseball in Asia, there's a book called You Gotta Have Wah. 
And there's a book called The Samurai Way of Baseball. I highly recommend these two books. You got to have Wa is about basically Americans who have gone over to play in Japan mm. and their experience. And The Samurai Way of Baseball is pretty much vice versa about Japanese players coming over. Um, it's really, really interesting. I highly recommend it. But that's in Japan. This is the KBO mm. that is going on. And, and Kevin... When we talk about Major League Baseball coming back here this uh -huh. year, whether it's a 100-game season, we've heard things about doubleheaders. We've heard things about eyes. Yeah. We've heard things about extra innings. We've heard roster expansion. So it seems to me that the time is right to get creative, right? Mm -hmm. Be experimental a little bit with baseball. And similar to, you know, when we saw the XFL, we saw that there were some yeah. things that make a lot of sense, right? So mm -hmm. in your uh, early soiree into mm -hmm. Korean baseball, you I know you said that there are some things that are really interesting. What yeah. are some of those things? What are some of the differences in what we may see early mornings on ESPN? Yeah, so one of the first thing that kind of jumps out, one of the selling points of the KBO as you know, ESPN is trying to, you know, Cater this right to grab your attention. Because at the end of the day, you know, them telling you the story of the seventh man who might, you know, have a breakout season, right, is like, oh, I don't know. And they kept talking about the – now, unfortunately, the main selling point was the atmosphere. They say that the fans that, that sure. in the atmosphere of, of Korean baseball games are, are, are unlike any other stand? baseball game. No, there's not. Oh, okay, so and that is moved, unfortunately. Yes, and, and unfortunately, that's kind of not, you know, the selling point. Yeah. Um, but the second thing they consistently talked about is bat flips and how in Korean baseball, it is like accepted. It's expected. It's yeah. what it is. Like you are celebrating the accomplishment of hitting a home run. And I don't know where you land on this, Dane, but there is. Maybe I mean, the I, what do you think, Kevin? I can't stand the idea that bat flipping is viewed the way it is in the MLB. And like, to me, it was almost like, do all of you not see how stupid this is that we have like Carl Ravitch is doing a full 10 minute breakdown of how nobody's disrespecting anybody. This is how they do things. And like my genuine, I've gotten to the point where I just like, if I want players to throw the bats back at the pitchers at this <laughs> point with them throwing a hundred mile an hour fastballs at dudes, like that's kind of where I've landed on the whole thing. That was the most, and it's one of those things where it might sound minuscule, but the idea of bat flipping, and you can see the highlights and the reaction on Twitter. It's like, man, that's fun. That's so cool. And it's, right. you know, when Bryce Harper was doing the whole make baseball fun again, it's kind of like, do you like you have to understand the the yeah. era that we live in. That baseball is trying to play from behind. Baseball, more than any major True. sport, is trying to find ways to make themselves a more attractive game, you know, for its audience, whether that be live uh, or at home. And it's one of the most, it's one of the simplest things. It's going in and change the unwritten handbook yep. and tell people that, the hey, if you give up a home run, that sucks. Don't do that. Because if the next time you strike someone out and get a bat thrown at your head, we're going we're gonna to suspend people. And for some reason in baseball, it's warning, warning, and it's crazy. Right. Well, pitchers, you know, do their little fist pump when they strike someone out. Didn't Jabba, like, get hurt? A couple years ago, like fist pumping after a strikeout love, or Dillis Batances. I think it was Dillis Batances last year, like came back finally from the injury, struck someone yeah. out, you know, kind of did a little little uh, two-step off the mound and tore his Achilles or something like that. Yeah. I agree with you. And listen, I think it's a larger scale thing, Kevin. We are now starting to see advertisements for Major League Baseball where the tagline is like, let the kids play. And I think that's part of it. You know, and yeah. I mentioned, hey, I'm a Puerto Rican, right? A lot of your Latin baseball players are um, bringing some of that spice, shall we say, to the yeah. game, whether it's in celebrations in the dugout, whether it's in the bat flip, just don't touch Adrian Beltre's hair and you'll be absolutely fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that does make sense. You know what I mean? If baseball is a sport that has been kind of 
you know, America's pastime, the boys of summer. And it waxes poetic about its record book. It, it, it talks about the nostalgia of it all. And they have to evolve on some level. And I think kind of bringing engagement in a new way to the millennial fan, whether it be in things like the bat flip, whether it be in pace of play that they are trying to speed up because of the attention span yeah. of sports fan these days. But I think you're right. And I think in a lot of areas, um, these moves are starting to be, I don't know if embraced in Major League Baseball, but definitely more accepted and more mainstream. Yeah, and I think they're look, they're trying, but I do think the one issue that they are they're having is they're pulling they've been trying to do things that will only piss off actual baseball fans and are very unlikely to bring in new fans. Like the three pitcher minimum, I or three batter minimum for pitchers. I've not heard one person say that they actually like that idea. Like I've not heard one person like, yeah, that makes all the sense. In the world. Uh, last night, though, uh, one of the new rules that the KBO implemented was a three-minute time limit for their reviews, which, okay. all in all, throughout sports, very reasonable. Because if you sure. can't tell after three minutes, it's that is inclusive. not inclusive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's you know like it's 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 pretty simple. Like that is it's a very very easy thing to change. Now, one of the the biggest things that really stood out to me, and and I would uh, and I'm curious your your opinion on this. Uh, very, very, like, openly, they admitted that last season they dejuiced their baseballs. Really? They were like, yeah, like, it was getting out of control. Uh, 2018, it was closer to 11 runs per game. 2019, oh. dejuiced the baseballs down to about 9.1 uh, runs per game. So that, I mean, that was something I was like, whoa, the level of honesty here. And they acknowledged uh, that last year? Yeah so, la- yeah, so last year was the first year of their dejuiced baseball. And they were like, yeah, they 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 are they said we felt like we were hitting too many home runs, hmm. and I think that that's really interesting because to me, you know, the more offense, the better, right? It's it's right. more Chicks enjoyable. Like a long ball, exactly, and it's a it's a real thing. Yep. Um, with that being said, I think there's an idea that it has some credit to it of you're spoiling it all. If every guy that gets up hits a home run, then it's no longer special and it becomes expected. And I don't know where you land on the juice baseball. I kind of go back and forth on it on a daily basis, but I thought it was fascinating that they experimented with it. Now, their uh, 11 runs is, you know, still much more than, say, baseball had last year, which I think was a shade under 10 per game. But nevertheless, I thought it was really interesting that they experienced with a juice baseball and then pulled it back. That is interesting. I mean, last baseball season here on the early line, Joe Ranieri and I were talking about this, that the baseball is clearly juiced, that the home runs are going up, you know, these Mm -hmm. three true outcomes. We talk about it all the time. And we started to see it get adjusted in the totals. I mean, seven and a half pretty much became the new six and a half for Major League Baseball games. And there was a good... I would say 60% of the season where Joe and I were literally talking about how the overs give you value because the books have not adjusted Mm. to the juice baseball. So it's interesting that maybe the other thing, the other direction could be in play in the KBO if they're acknowledging that it went too far, right? And Mm -hmm. they need to kind of de-juice the baseball, an interesting term. Does I wonder if they're hanging totals that are too high off of the frame of reference of when the ball was juice, where they were getting, say, 11 runs in a mm-hmm. game. I'm going to give you a homework assignment, Kevin. We have to <laughs> look at these look at these totals in sure. the KBO and see if the unders, you know, you said there's 10 teams, right? So I'm seeing, what, five games in a night? If the unders yeah. are going four and one, we, yeah. I want to uh, take notice of that, okay? Because yeah. we may be onto a trend, and that is an actual, you know, change, okay? I don't mm-hmm. like betting with pitchers unless I, they've got a new pitch. I don't like. I want to see some actual measurable change. And if they've come out and acknowledged and admitted that mm-hmm. they have to dejuice the ball because it went too far, maybe their way, maybe there is a way to make a little bit of extra money off of it like when you were seeing the game by game totals kevin were they kind of normal numbers to you or did they look a little inflated so they i think and i don't know but i think every single one of them was eight and a half really which 
which is higher than MLB. Okay, in the MLB, yeah. you're usually seeing seven, seven and a half. It's moved up to and about I, seven and a half. But go ahead. And I think part of that is, right, like we just said that the run average was nine. And, it, you know, it's really, right, if DeGrom and Scherzer are on the mound, the total's going to be six and a half, right? But, you know, the books know to adjust if it's Jason Vargas sure. versus, you know what I mean? I think, in a way, I wonder if they, you know, as much as the books are willing to post these lines because it gets people betting and it gets action, and that's exactly what they want. It's, of course, what they've been missing for a long time. And, of course, they will know more than your average um, better. They're going to obviously put the work in to make sure that they are setting these lines appropriately. Nevertheless, I, you know, it's hard for them to kind of go off of certain things. And there is still going to be a niche market of people that bet these games. So if you try and adjust too much for one way because you think you got a piece of information, right. it, you're going to be a little bit more vulnerable, I do think, to people kind of coming around the back end. The one other quick thing I'll mention just turns with betting uh, the KBO, if there is futures odds posted. Uh, a lot of times we talk about going for long shots. I think in the futures market here, right. I personally would approach it um, completely different. Their playoff system is something that I hope to never see implemented in baseball. It's preposterous. It's a ladder system. Uh, the wild card team plays. So five teams make it. So five plays four. Down 1-0, they need to win two in a row just to advance. Then and the winner so on, plays three. Then, then the winner plays, plays two. Yeah, I think. It, and I think Ravage, oh. the, the stat was on, on Tuesday night. Eight years in a row, the number you know one team. I think six of the last eight they've won. Uh, right. That number one team, of course. Like what an advantage uh, that kind of is. And he basically said, you know, rest versus rust. It seems like rest wins out. Mm. And I'd have to think, kind of, if they, you know, how they reset futures markets, right? When the playoffs would begin, how could they, you know, the team that's the number one seed not be the overwhelming favorite? They're going to be in the title game. So to right. me. I would personally not be looking for your long shot if you see a you know Korean baseball futures market. Oh. More so, I think this team's winning the regular season, but everybody's plus money right now, so I'm going to play them. That's very interesting, that ladder system that you talk about. I've always wondered if like just home field advantage in one extra game is enough of an advantage for, say, a 95-win team over an 87-win team. But that's always interesting to think about. When we come back, all right, we've given Kevin his homework assignment. He'll report back on if we hit those unders. When we come back, we dive into the NFL, a couple of news and notes, and then we take a look at one of our teams and our roster reset. It's the early line. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the early line right here on Sports Grids. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh, continuing to give you all the news, all the updates, all the insights you need in the world of sports and also how to make a little bit of extra money off of it. We may lean unders in the KBO. Apparently, they are de-juicing the baseballs, and Kevin Walsh is apparently going to be our bat flip correspondent <laughs> to check it out moving forward. But I want to switch gears to the NFL. The NFL had their draft, as we know and kind of we started our roster resets we're going to start seeing people you know phones are ringing Andy Dalton Jameis Winston we will continue to have our finger on the pulse of the news but the first thing I want to reiterate we didn't have Kevin here yesterday and we lost a giant in the NFL yesterday uh former Miami Dolphins former player uh Don Shula passed mm -hmm. away at the age of 90 you know the all-time winningest coach joe and i looked at like the active leaders and you got belichick you got reed you got peyton but they ain't catching don shula i just wanted to get your thoughts i mean i'm a jets fan so you know i hate the dolphins but <laughs> real recognize right it's the same thing you mentioned the last dance i respect michael jordan even though i was a knicks fan you respect don shula even if you're a jets fan the nfl lost a titan of the game yesterday Don Shula passes away at the age of 90, Kevin. Yeah, and obviously as a sports fan, like, you know the name regardless of, of how old you are. But I think one of the things that somewhat captured it for me is um, I was eating lunch with my parents yesterday um, when the news had come down. And, you know, kind of the both of them reacting. 
um, oh, wow, Don Trula passed away. My mom, you know, you I mean like, oh, that's so sad. Kind of like someone that, you know, obviously was very, very relevant kind of to them. And I think like is he's one of those, you know, not athletes, that's the wrong word, but one of the sports figures kind of that was a very, very important part for an entire generation. Um, and whenever you lose, uh, you know, anyone like that, 90 years old is obviously, you know, a lot of people would love to, you know, make it to 90. Oh, kidding me? Um, you know what I mean? But it obviously is still kind of like, wow, man. And especially kind of in these times, um, you know, it, it's it's a sad thing. But I, I think sometimes it is always, you know, there has its positives where you kind of now get to spend more time talking um, kind of about someone like Don Shula, right? Whether, you know, my dad talking to me about, you know, who Don Shula was and, um, you know, people just kind of appreciating him. Again, the most wins of all time, that is no small feat. Um, so, it, you know, it, it was definitely kind of something that really jumped out. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to ask you because I mentioned that no one's going to come close, but maybe that's not the case, okay? Mm -hmm. Don Shula has 328 career victories number one all time Hallis is number two when i look at some of the active coaches yeah. i want to see like would you would you give him a shot like would you bet him at plus money to sure. overtake don yeah. shula you know what i mean kevin so i will give you one two three four five six seven i'll give okay. you the seven uh leading active head coaches and we can make it as a guessing game do you know who do you think is one of the top active head coach wins uh, in career wins? And then we could see, you know, what they would need wow. to do right. to catch Don Shula. Who do you think is the, uh, you know, top five among active head coaches? So the top, so I would, the top five, I mean, you just mentioned Belichick and Reed. Yeah. Um, so you gave me, you gave me two there. Sure. Those um, are the top two. Yeah. I would think that uh, Sean Payton comes to mind. Sean Payton is there. Sean Payton is, let's see, one, two, three, four, fifth all time. I mean, among active coaches, okay? Sure. Among active coaches. But yeah. this, if nothing else, puts Don Shula into focus, right? Sean mm. Payton, easily one of the best head coaches in football, has been in New Orleans for a while, right? Yeah. Won Super Bowls, Absolutely. averaging maybe 10 wins a pop. He's got 131 career wins. Kevin. Okay. So to wow. catch Don Shula, wow. that man would need to average 10 wins a season for the next 20 years. Okay. Talk about some Cal <laughs> Ripken, like it's out there. It ain't getting caught. And that is, and that is Sean Payton at 131. Okay. Yeah. Right ahead of him uh, are two guys who are actually tied and it's Mike mm. Tomlin and yeah. Pete Carroll. And those guys are only at 133. Kevin, so they would need another 20 years of service. Now, Tomlin is relatively young for a head coach. Pete Carroll is not. So maybe Mike Tomlin uh, has an inside track if he did this for another 20, 25 years. And I guess that's feasible. Tomlin is an interesting one for me. Andy Reid, Kevin, has 207 career wins he is 120 away now i ask you how long do you think patrick mahomes career is gonna be well that's the thing right i mean it, you know if so andy reed you probably think rolls this out with mahomes if possible I'd, right i'd say so I, I i would i would think that that would kind of be the way to go i'm gonna so, play this one out and see how yeah it goes. i think yeah. it's a, i think it'd be a good call now you know brady's been in the league you know we're at 20 plus right at this point with brady is Mahomes going to hold? Is the modern? You didn't need to. Though. It, it, he's 120 he's, behind Andy Reid. You say yeah. they win 10 games a year, and as long as Patrick Mahomes is upright, I think that's a fair. That's 12 years. Yeah. That's. I mean, <laughs> quarterbacks play for t 12 years. Yeah. No, they they certainly do, and I think right. You got to think some of those years. There's 13 win seasons. You know, um, in in the in the mix there. I I think it's. Man, yeah, I guess Andy Reid certainly would have a chance just because you'd look at it right now and think about kind of, yeah, it's hard to envision Patrick Mahomes' average regular season win total being anything less than 10 over the next 12 years. It's a matter of Reid being the guy for that. The thing is, Andy Reid is 62 years old, yes, Evans, right? So Mahomes may have a great 12 years, but Andy Reid is 62, right? So, like, let's say... Things are all roses for the Kansas City Chiefs. And in the next, in the decade of the 20s, 
okay? Uh, the Chiefs win three Super Bowls. They're the team of the decade, let's say. They win three Super Bowls. Like, what would Andy Reid at the age of 70 really want to do this for? I don't know. I think it could happen if he wanted to go the route and, and like, actually, if that was a stated goal of his, yeah. I think he'd have a shot. But... You know, if you're a very successful coach for, say, another eight years, Andy Reid, it's okay. Go enjoy the rest of your life. And here's the interesting one, though, because we only got a couple of minutes here, Kevin. Oh. The real interesting one, right now, third all-time is Bill Belichick. Mm -hmm. And you, would, so for me, the thing is, with Andy Reid, with others like Tomlin and Peyton, I'm marking them down for 10 wins a year. I don't know if I can do that right now with the New England Patriots, sans Tom Brady with Jared Stidham oh. under center, Bill Belichick is at 273. All right, so that is 55 wins away. So if you apply the, like, 10 wins a season, it's only five or six years away. But Bill Belichick is 68 years yeah. old, Kevin. So how long is he going to be at it, especially if without Tom Brady? Let's say they go 7-9 and nine this year. Then what? Yeah, that's tough. And this and that's probably the biggest issue, right? And is in a way, this year, it'd maybe be better if he went three and thirteen and then hopefully picked up an elite quarterback in the draft. With, on Watson, right. But then he has to hit the ground running the next three. year that's instantly. The... Yeah, you know, just to kind of make up for the well, that's the thing, right? Like to make up for that lost ground, it's really, really difficult. And I think that you know, that's where the Patriots are are in such limbo with all of this is us right. not knowing kind of what to do with them. The fact that you know the Bills are far from some type of overwhelming favorites in the AFC East because it's still the Patriots and it's still right. Bill Belichick. And no matter how little faith people have in Jared Stidham, there is still a I don't know. And that defense was was great last year. I'll, I have one name that jumps out. Go ahead, because there's a few and others that are here. Go ahead. Now, he's nowhere nowhere on that list. I promise you this. Oh, okay. But he's 34 ah, and has ah. done really, really well in his beginning uh, career as a head coach. Cliff? I'm talking Sean McVay. Oh. And here's the thing. We're, we're, we're simply thinking about the years, right? Now, it's a long time to be around. But if we're basically saying, so Pete Carroll is 68, right? Pete Carroll looks like he has another 30 years in him, but oh, yeah. let's just say we get to 70, right? I mean, we're talking another 35 years of Sean McVay coaching. That's, to me, why I throw McVay out there, because okay. he, he is, you know, to me, still one of the, let's keep it, you know, cautious. Ten you best would bet McVay, do you think McVay has a better chance than Andy Reid? That, and that, see, you... Uh, you know, like if we had to hang odds on them, right? I give Belichick, I don't know, four to one, Reed, six to one, McVeigh, Kingsbury. They've got an outside shot because they have, you know, runway in front of them. But the yeah. idea to average 10 wins over three decades is pretty crazy. You know what I mean? Like, it's not easy to do. No, it's it's incredibly difficult, right? And you know, part of this all is who knows what the future holds for McVay, right? Like yeah. the idea that he's going to be the Rams head coach for the next 30 some odd right. years is, is obviously is, you know, very, very difficult. Especially First child who isn't even a twinkle in my wife's <laughs> eye is like a grown adult. Exactly. Right. Right. Which is just wild to even remotely think about. The other thing is here just to try and pad this Sean McVay argument, 17 game regular season. So he steals a game. Like that, that potentially sure. can help, but what it, used it, to be 10 and six is now 11 and six, maybe. Right. But the other thing is, you know, this is, it certainly can't be like, I'm sure Sean McVay loves football, right? Yes. But also coaching at the highest level for right. 35 years is not the easiest right. thing in the world to do. So Sean McVay at 60 being like, yeah. I'm good. What about some also, of these other young guys here? I got because yeah. when we go down, there's some, and these are guys in the hundreds, let's say. So behind Sean Payton, who we talked about, you got Mike McCarthy, who's active, but he's on the older side. Then you got John Harbaugh. That's interesting because yeah. he's young and still over 100 wins. John Gruden is over 100 wins. But then we get off to names like Ron Rivera, Mike Mike Zimmer. So, I mean, Harbaugh is interesting. Gruden's interesting. They've got a little bit more time. You know, they're in their 50s. Um, 
and teams that maybe can do it. So I do think it's interesting. But if you had to have a favorite, you would go with the younger class of Sean McVay, huh? I think ultimately, right, the way – kind of just talking this out. The Patriots are too uncertain to me. Reed, if he has the success to get close, probably retires because right. it's all going so well. Tomlin's interesting because he's only 48, but also I would say every other year we try and get him fired in Pittsburgh. Like that's yeah. just kind of a thing that happens with Tomlin. So He'd be I don't know. for about 10 minutes though. Oh, 100%. It's a matter of when he then becomes the head coach of the right. Jets. Is the success the same? McVay's been good. He's 35, so I could at least hold on to the dream for longer than some of these others. Give me McVay at 10 to 1. All right, fair enough. That's interesting, and I like how you just created the implied yeah, odds. Yeah, 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 yeah. As well, but the moral of the story is the accomplishments of Don Shula are something that everyone should, you know, recognize and praise, and we did lose him, so uh, pour a little bit out this year. You know, Mercury Morris and Larry Zonker, they pop the champagne every time someone can't go undefeated anymore. We'll pour a little bit out for Don Shula. You mentioned Sean McVay. He said some things yesterday that I think is very interesting. We'll talk about it and what it means for DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back, everybody, to The Early Line. I'm Dane Martinez. He is Kevin Walsh, giving you all the news, all the stories, and all the leans here to make a little bit of extra cash as a sports investor. That's what we do here on SportsGrid, give you the edge to make a little bit of extra cash. You don't need payday. You don't need the government stimulus package. You don't need your tax refund. You make your own refund, and maybe it's by betting unders on the KBO. We'll find out a little bit more about that (laughs) the rest of this week. But, Kevin, we were talking about kind of the head coaching obviously we lost Don Shula and some of these young head coaches I want to bring our attention to one of them McVeigh. but first go full circle with Miami one of the things I thought was very very interesting Kevin is how the Dolphins did not address the running back position in the draft and we've talked about how running back as this premium position you need the run game but you can't be financially tied to these running backs we see it with Ezekiel no. Elliott saw it with Le'Veon Bell. We saw it with Melvin Gordon and others. I mean, Devontae Freeman had set the market at one point. He's on the street without a job. Todd Gurley had set the market at one point. The Rams needed to cut him because after two years later, he had a degenerative arthritic condition. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. That lifespan is really, really short. And so I thought it was actually a good decision, Kevin, when the Miami Dolphins, instead of saying drafting DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor or J.K. Dobbins in the first or second round, they decided to, you know, bring in Jordan Howard and then mm-hmm. trade their fifth round pick for Matt Breida. It looks like they're building a committee. And one of the things I remember telling you, Kevin, is it seems to me that, you know, the the workhorse running back, the three down running back, is a an endangered species in the mm-hmm. NFL these days, and more and more teams are going that route. And that brings me back to your boy, Sean McVay. He came out and said yesterday, Kevin, that they drafted Cam Akers and that they really like him, but that they like all three backs that they have. Okay, so Cam Akers was just drafted. Last year, they drafted Henderson, the kid out of Memphis, right? And he has some juice. They also have Malcolm Brown there, who is sort of the, uh, I guess now, veteran in that group i want to ask you kind of a two-part question one sure what do you think this means for the rams and their offense their rushing attack now without todd Gurley? and do you see this as a trend because there are a lot of teams here going with a committee it used to be a timeshare the thunder and lightning but there's a lot of teams now that seem like they're going at it with three or more backs talk to me mm-hmm. what do you think about the run game for the rams this year yeah so with the rams specifically i thought the cam Akers pick 
kind of stunk in a way. I mean, it was their first pick on the board. They didn't have a pick in the first round. You just saw what happened with Todd Gurley. And part of the reason you were willing to do that was having Henderson on the roster. And then to make that move, I just, I didn't love it. And if this is not a Rams team, you know, it's not the same roster that went to the Super Bowl. Like there are holes on this roster. And I thought that that pick could have been spent better elsewhere. But I also think it very much so, uh, it shows... You know, Sean McVay is going to value the running back within his offense, um, but he's not going to tie himself again to a single running back, I think. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what jumped out about that decision uh, to take Cam Akers, is even if they like Henderson, you know, the more bodies, the better, right? And if you even want to, mm-hmm. you know, spin that back to the fantasy, you know, we're going to... Fantasy art. <laughs> yeah, exactly, 100%. And I think we're going to, you know, uh, what Rams running back do you want to own? The answer exactly. is none. It's none. Yeah. And that's that's the issue for me. And and the Rams also did this at the wide receiver position. Listen, they were talking up Josh Reynolds after they traded Brandon Cooks. And then they go draft a kid out of Florida, Van Jefferson, I think. I don't understand that either. Like what you just said, Kevin, the idea of uh, more bodies in the room. I get that. But are you spending the right level of capital to do that? That was their first two picks on wide receiver and running back where they already had three wide receivers that they seem to like, two running backs that they seem to like. It's just was this priority for team construction or is the league evolving that now, yes, having three running backs, having four wideouts is the priority for team construction? But I think having three running backs is fine, but it's also okay. how you allocate the capital to gaining those three running backs. Right. Signing Jordan Howard for nothing and trading a fifth-round pick for Matt Breida right. is – that's no problem. There, that, That's no issue, right? When Damian Williams and Raheem Mosert are trading blows in the Super Bowl and neither one of them were drafted, right. it's hard to justify having – you know, taking Henderson and Akers in back-to-back second rounds, you know, when we talk, you know, back-to-back years. It's sure. not – it's not the best way to go about it. And I think that's, you know, and even this is the thing, like, so the running back conversation is going to eventually kind of get pushed too far, but I don't know if we've gotten there. And what I mean by that is I think we're all consensus taking a running back in the top 10 is preposterous. There's no way you have a pick in the top 10 and your biggest need is a running back. And even Unless you trade it up to get there. Right. Which even trading up to get a running back is, is a, is a bit of a stretch. Sure. Now I, I think, people who thought the J.K. Like, there were some people who were bashing the J.K. Dobbins pick, right, for the Ravens. Mm-hmm. I think that's too far. The Ravens have one of the best rosters in football. Right. The run game they can is... They have luxury pick. And they're a run-heavy exactly. team. Exactly. They will get the most out of J.K. Dobbins. Mm. So that's why I'm fine with that situation. But I think the Rams, it was kind of a different scenario. And to your overarching point of figuring out how, you know, what is the best case scenario for teams when it comes to the running back position? I think it's it's really really difficult to say because you know would the would the Patriots trade over their five guys for one Saquon Barkley? And that's the thing, right? Like, and we saw this now. You mentioned Kansas City, who did it in the Super Bowl, Damian Williams, but then they still draft Edwards Hilaire. They have, you know, Darwin Thompson. They had Shady McCoy. They bring in Elijah McGuire. They bring in Mike Weber. They're going at it quantity, right? We've seen the New England Patriots do this for years. Rex mm-hmm. Burkhead, James White, Dion Lewis, Sony Michelle. We never knew which one it was going to be. The San Francisco 49ers. One week, Raheem Mostar will run for 200 yards and four touchdowns. In the next game, it's a Tevin Coleman game or a Matt mm-hmm. Breida game or a Jeff Wilson Jr. game. There is absolutely no rhyme or reason. And I think it's it's quantity versus quality, right? Option A is to go ahead and have your Zeke Elliott, your Saquon Barkley, your Derrick Henry, your, you know, insert workhorse here, um, your Leonard Fournette, and that has wound up not working out, your Todd Gurley, but you have to allocate so much to get that kind of big fish, right? Mm-hmm. The other way is to spend less on the position and go at it with quantity. This way, when one gets concussed, it's all good. You know, when one uh, isn't the style of runner that you need versus this kind of defense, it's all good. And I think teams are, you know, conflicted on how to approach that exact question. Do I get this all pro 
or do mm -hmm. I just cobble it together in a way that could be more cost effective and then I go out and spend that extra money on my edge rusher or my right tackle? That is the choice for these NFL teams, right? 100%. And I think, too, like, think about this with the Panthers, right? And they go out there and they pay Christian McCaffrey – you know, they make him the highest paid running back. And Christian McCaffrey, you know, after last year, for a lot of people, is the best running back in football. But overall, when you think about the, the situation that the Carolina Panthers have, right? It's a smart business decision. Like, is are they ever going to be able to maximize these years of Christian McCaffrey? No. And They're by not. the time they do, will Christian McCaffrey still be an MVP candidate? Will he still no. be worth it? You have he to won't. align the windows, right? And that so and that's and that's the the most difficult thing about, about all of it is trying to align those windows. Now for the Panthers, right? It's maybe not as harmful because the Panthers are doing this full reset, right? Sure. So they almost kind of get to do a make good contract here in a way as we figure right. out who our quarterback of the future is going to be and we implement our brand new organization in a way with Joe Brady and Matt Rule. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's just pay Christian McCaffrey, and in three years we'll revisit this whole thing and. Ultimately, that can work out. But to the, you know, when you ask yourself, we always talk about, right, who has the best quarterback situation in football, right? That's, that's something that I think I would say on a yearly basis, those are articles that are written. Yeah. And you take into account the team starting quarterback and their backup quarterback. And if I ask you, who has the best running back situation in football? The Panthers are nowhere, they're not, maybe not nowhere near, but they're certainly not the answer. And you can think about right. it where you can attack it from a fantasy perspective. Are you picking up the Panthers backup running back with your number one waiver wire right. the same way you would? Let's just say Clyde Edwards-Hilaire went down and then Damian right. Williams was available. No, you're 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 going to the to the Chiefs side of things. Even when Zeke has gone down in years past, who is widely accepted as a top five running back in football, every year it's like, oh my God, let's go, we get behind that offensive line. Like, look at all this talent that we're gonna have. Right. So. That's really where I think teams should be trying to really impact the running back position. It's, it is so much, of course it is. Of course it is. It is so much a product of everything around it. The offensive line and the scheme Absolutely. that the running back is in that you want to just try to create a hub. If I take JK Dobbins and I flip JK Dobbins with, uh, you know, a, a running back that went a little bit later that some people have sure. high expectations on. Not, Zach one Moss. Perfect. Perfect from Buffalo, and I swept and I swapped them. I want Zach right. Moss before I want J.K. What's Dobbins. The delta now? in value there, and then what would have been the delta in value if I did decide to knock a running back when I did and get the edge rusher? Would that overall benefit to my team yes. be more than whatever the delta is between Dobbins and say Zach yeah. Moss or whoever would have been there early on? But I think this is a bigger conversation, and here's what I want to do with you, Kevin. In hour number two, there's so many different ways to take this concept and apply it to specific teams, specific players, and spe Fantasy Sports Today. Like starting next year, are finally going to be able to capitalize off their name and off their likeness. This whole thing is, it serves the NCAA, Mark Emmert and company, right, Craig? Because this was a mess you guys created. This is this was all on you making billions of dollars off the likeness of these kids, pretending the moral high ground that they're just student athletes. The Sports Grid Network. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.